Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Helen Ju, Managing Director and CIO of Nanfeng Trinity, formerly of BlackRock and Goldman Sachs and MIT. So, Helen, great to have you with us in the studio here. Uh, let's talk a little bit about U.S. inflation and what it might mean for us out here. Uh, the Fed's target is obviously 2%, but then the chair did talk about 2.5% or so as being around neutral and that they would then become data dependent. Here you've got a softening. What do we expect out of the Fed? Well, Brian, I think uh, the Fed is trying to really make sure that people don't take a premature view on their uh, desire to pivot or to start cutting rates as soon as maybe end of this year or beginning of next year. That's what some of the futures curves were indicating as recently as uh, middle of last week when people thought, you know what, they're saying that they're targeting 3.3%, 3.9% by end of this year and next year. But in reality, the economy is going into a recession. They're actually going to pivot much, much sooner. So the market was very hopeful um, for that. And, you know, people have this muscle memory of end of 2018, and we're hoping that the pivot would mean a massive rally in the market. Um, but I think what you saw recently is, I agree with your earlier speaker, that there's a lot of lack of visibility, right? Last Friday's jobs numbers was absolute blowout. People thought, oh my goodness, the economy is actually very, very hot. There's no sign of recession or need to cut. But, you know, yesterday's uh, CPI number came in a little bit better than expected, probably because of supply issues rather than demand side. So um, I think data dependent is absolutely right. No one really knows at this moment. I think it's too premature to uh, make a conclusion that they're going to pivot very soon. And what does that mean for equity investors then? Do we continue to see a a bit of a rally or does that falter if you still see the Fed continue to target 4% rates? I think it's going to be dependent more on the actual fundamental, not necessarily just what the Fed does, right? So even if the Fed pivots, if the pivot is because the economy is actually going into recession, then the market is not going to react positively anywhere. But if the Fed is pivoting um, because actually the you know, um, inflationary pressures are, after all, largely dependent on supply resumption and not so much um, on demand. And let's say demand continues to be very robust, but CPI continues to come off very, um, you know, consistently over the next few months. I think the market would re- receive that actually much better. Um, we do see quite reassuring signs of supply resumption and improvement, mm-hmm. whether that's in terms of, you know, uh, oil price and more importantly, gasoline price right at the pump, because refined margin is starting to normalize as well. Our food prices have come off a bit since Ukraine resumed some shipments um, from their ports. um, And obviously, semiconductors and all these other things have started to improve to some extent as well. So those are all helpful. So if you look at inflation and growth, you can have a a situation where they're both up or both down or one's up and the other's down and flip it. Uh, The best environment for stocks would be that growth is hanging in there, is doing okay, and inflation is rolling over. Is that where we are right now? And does it sort of paint a positive picture? 
Well, you're right about the Goldilocks scenario. Clearly, good growth and low inflation, which is what we had pretty much, uh, especially in the U.S. economy for most of the um, you know, um, 2010 through 2020 period. Um, that's really led what led to the uh, 10-year bull market for the S&P and NASDAQ, et cetera. Um, I would say it's much more difficult now to achieve that, uh, that same Goldilocks scenario, right? I mean, particularly as growth is coming off such a high base after the unrivaled stimulus that we saw during the COVID. Yep. So we had a slightly more hawkish than expected PBOC monetary policy uh, report for the second quarter and the inflation print yesterday. Look, a lot of that driven by pork prices, but does it change the dial in terms of what kind of stimulus we're expecting from authorities? Look, I think in terms of the PBOC stance, I think it's um, in a very different situation from the Fed, right? The Fed is dealing with an extremely tight labor market, overheating economy, et cetera. The PBOC is kind of like in the opposite situation. Unemployment in China has been rising. Um, you don't really have any labor uh, shortages uh, to speak of. Um, and actually, China does have um, PPI inflation, but in many areas, it's not necessarily within China's control. You know, oil price, for example, coal price, et cetera. China's done a lot to try to continue those prices domestically, um, but that's not the job of the PBOC, and China is not the only determinant. So um, I think their um, focus and priority in the next year should still be supporting the economy rather than containing inflation or slowing down the economy. I think the only hurdle they have to overcome is the fact that the zero COVID policy yeah. um, is bringing a lot of uncertainty to that. Yeah, I wanted to talk about policy. You know, if, you, if you're if you a long-term bull on China, you pretty much had to throw that out the window over the past 18 months or so because policy has just been really on steroids. Um, but it does seem like it's calmed down a little bit other than you know, this this notion of what to do about uh, dynamic zero on COVID. Uh, why should we not worry about policy so much now? Well, I think China's um, move towards very tight policy um, earlier was really um, in view of China's own very strong exports and economic momentum last year, and China being worried that the rest of the world is going to have to tighten pretty aggressively this year, which it called very right. And so China thought, let's start counter-cyclically tightening our economy ahead of the curve so that next year when everyone else is uh, tightening, we can actually you know loosen to some extent. Um, I think that was really the right plan to try to to maintain a stable trajectory. But the curveball that they ran into earlier this year was one, the surge in global prices because of the Russia situation, and two, the uh, COVID outbreaks that happened um, out of expectation. So I think because of that, um, you know, they were planning a normalizing policy this year anyways, in terms of internet, in terms of property, and the specific areas they were targeting. Um, but now they have to probably, rather than just take their foot off the brake, they have to actually tap on the gas a bit as well to offset the factors from the unexpected uh, drivers. You say Asia reopening players may have finally had their day. When you look at the overall China market, are you kind of positive there? What sectors are you looking at? Well, I think um, Asia is definitely six to 12 months uh, behind the curve in reopening versus the rest of the world, China, um, Japan, and uh, a lot of other places. So I think, you know, people always want to reward those sectors and those stocks that are seeing sequential improvement. And it's harder and harder to find stocks with sequential improvement when things were so uh, overly uh, buoyant, particularly in the U.S. I think in China, uh, it is a sequential improvement story if we can move past the zero COVID policy going into next year. And I think the market will start to price that in, not only when the policy 
policy actually loosens, but when they see signs that we're moving towards that or any kind of like light at the end of the tunnel. So I think from a China overall markets perspective, uh, certainly a lot of the internet names have been beaten down pretty aggressively. Um, and I think certainly moving past zero COVID, their activity level would resume to a meaningful extent. I think some financials have gotten beaten down, some consumer discretionary that has mm. all been under pressure. So I think those would be some areas, but not just China, um, elsewhere in Asia as well, similar situation. Okay, 800 pound gorilla in the room, China, Taiwan, US uh, tensions, geopolitical tensions. We just had this white paper on Taiwan. You can read it, yes, they want to do peaceful unification, or you can read some of the more strong uh, commentary in there. Um, do we have to worry about this if we're investing in stocks here in the next 18 months? Look, I think geopolitics is something that we always have to worry about, whether it's just China, Taiwan, or as we've seen recently, um, it's actually very relevant to many other markets as well. And unfortunately, well, it's very difficult to predict. It's kind of an <laughs> so we always have to, yes, we always have to note it. Um, we always have to focus on that, but it's very difficult to predict. And therefore, if you look at the way that geopolitics moves, you tend to, if you assume that World War III is not going to start and that no one has incentives to actually do that, you kind of try to um, buy into the negative noise and then sell into when periods when people think there's no problems at all. Helen, great to have you on. Thank you so much, Helen Ju, Managing Director and CIO at Nanfeng Trinity on the line. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.